Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Quarter. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 104. Hey guys, how are you doing? Welcome back. Another exciting week. Yeah, doing good. Pretty suntanned. Oh yeah, you were in Florida. Well, yeah, mostly Florida. Right. I, I listened to this podcast last week, though, and it was pretty good, except for I got lost at some point uh, when they were talking about some kind of D-bags. I forget. It was disposed bags or something like that. <laughs> uh, so, you must have been know, was... listening to Ark Swift talk. <laughs> yeah. Ark, yeah. Well, Sam talks about that every Swift. episode. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's a it's an RX thing. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, do you have any feedback on that episode? Did we miss something? Nah, sounded good to me. All right. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yep. Just talk a little bit less about those D bags or D boxes or whatever they are. What are they? They're D bags, right? Dispose bags. <laughs> Dispose. Yeah, Dispose bags. <laughs> the D bags that guy you didn't want to talk to in high school. Would yeah, a little come bit, a little bit less of that. <laughs> yeah. So we got the. Uh, as we're recording a little under five days now until the big shutdown of iTunes connect for eight hours. Although yeah. when you, when you hear it, it'll, it'll be shutting down within the next day or two. So. Right. Or you'll already be past it. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll be past it. So if you need to do some sale thing or something like that for that day, hope you did it <laughs> or do it now. <laughs> yeah. And definitely don't release an app on Saturday. Not that you will be able to, but that'd be really bad if you would shut, if you would uh, release your app right before it shut down and then find out that you need to roll it back or something. Not that you yeah, can roll back. Sweet. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet, but maybe, maybe that'll be here. Right. I think somewhere around this time last year, that wasn't it when they started getting like one day, two day review times. And there were, a number of improvements to the, not so much the app store, but like the, the process uh, with iTunes connect uh, leading up to WWDC. So yeah, this is similar timing to what they did last year. Right. And didn't they also announce the, the, um, the new pricing schemes for like subscription renewals and was that around this time too, or my, I'm trying to remember all the details. I They announced a whole bunch of things and then it kind of got phased out. I remember. Uh, or phased in. Maybe, <laughs> fit, yeah, you're right. Phased in. Uh, the promo codes for subscriptions or in-app purchases might have been announced going into uh, prior to the dub dub. There were a number of things they've done throughout the year, but there were definitely like two or three big ones. Uh, the main thing of course, was the review times. That's, that's yeah. what uh, a lot of developers got really happy about that. It's still pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's still somewhat sporadic about, you know, sometimes same day. Uh, I think more often than not, I'm seeing one or two days uh, for, for reviews lately, but... Um, Rarely have I seen it go beyond two days. 
So I'm kind of thinking that maybe with this big up to eight hour uh, downtime that they're talking about, that maybe they're going to slip in something pretty cool that we'll all be excited about on, on Monday. Or right. they, they could dark launch it, too, and just yeah. wait till June to actually announce it, and it'll be ready the next day. The new replacement for IAD. <laughs> no. Uh, no one uh, wants that. <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, there were also updates for test flights, so I'm going to go ahead and start the rumor that we're going to get... Uh, the phase rollout that the Play Store has, um, which yeah, is a really cool feature. Nice. Yeah, you get to pick kind of a smaller audience to phase out an update or slowly deliver an update. And if uh, things don't go well, you can pause it and push out an update. You know, those users will get updated right away. And then uh, you can grow that over time. So it's not a... I was going to say, you can even just roll back to the old release, which I would be happy if they just gave us that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that the big undo button would be, it would make a lot of people happy. I think you're only supposed to release tested, perfectly good code. You know, the, yes. you know, the rules. Yeah. Yeah. I actually submitted that as a feature request a long time ago, like the ability to, uh, the rollback and uh, that that was essentially the answer I got was uh, you shouldn't release code that doesn't that isn't fully tested and doesn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so yeah, that apparently was the uh, the guideline. Just don't make anything that doesn't work. All right. Well, that's easy enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one ever. Apple never ships bugs. <laughs> no, no, of course not. So. Uh, I actually, you know, I only heard a little bit about what's new in test flight. Uh, do you guys know any any details? Well, I know uh, the. It seems like the biggest two changes are you can have uh, groups and give them different builds, and you can also have multiple builds that people are testing at the same time, which is kind of nice. Uh, I think those are the biggest things, and I'm hoping that multiple build support is a precursor to the stuff we were just talking about, where you could maybe roll out build slowly or roll back or something like that. It seems like it's setting the groundwork. Right, and you know, I think also when you're getting into that kind of continuous deployment, you know, getting closer to that anyway, you know, having one in review and one in, you know, being tested is a Nice thing to have as well. It, you know, you might even have three or three or so builds being tested, like an internal, a beta, and and production, or waiting for production. Yeah, I kind of like having the. Well, I, I like how it used to be when there was a two week wait as a user, anyway, because then you knew that Facebook wasn't going to hit you with a two hundred meg download every day or every other day. And they actually had to wait two weeks. From a developer perspective, I'm all for it. But when a company like Facebook Facebook wants to throw a 200 meg binary down at me, that's that's insane. I don't want to download that every day. Apple does a pretty good job of like hiding that 
from you that it's happening at least. And it probably only happens when you're on Wi-Fi, depending on your if you have default settings. So I don't know if that's such a bad thing that they can deliver stuff to you whenever they want. Yeah, it's still because <laughs> I, I like to see what apps are coming down and when they're coming down, and who's updating and they even occasionally read the release notes, which reading Facebook's release notes is pretty worthless. But other apps are actually kind of interesting to learn what they're doing and what's going on. So I like I like actually I don't actually turn on the auto updates, though I do run the updates pretty frequently. So that's interesting. So would you say is a I mean, you said you like being able to do it as whenever you want as a developer, but uh what would you think would be the kind of the best practice for how often you push push out updates? I guess maybe we would have to gauge this on the size of your app. If your app is small, every couple of days. But if your app is Facebook large, every couple of weeks is plenty. Yeah, we usually plan for a six to eight week release cycle. Yeah, and that's... But- that's pretty standard, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, companies like Facebook that are doing continuous deployment on the web, you know, they'll they'll push out code to production several times a day. And you yeah, know, that that and, works fine in, in the web environment, it, especially if you have good automated processes in place. But Well, they can also selectively roll out that particular update to regions of users, which they can't yeah. do on iOS. Right. So, um, you know, you could do things like feature toggles and such, but, uh, you know, that's kind of a double-edged sword. It's kind of nice that you could have some features that are kind of stealth that you can turn on later, but at the same time, that creates more paths in the application that need to be tested. Well, right, but we're talking about, like, let's say you're some large organization that has the ability, you know, you have a hundred person team who's working on this stuff, your Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Twitter doesn't push out updates that much. Facebook does more frequently. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I guess as a user, it doesn't bother me, but maybe I'm weird because I'm a developer. I'm not sure. (laughs) And it kind of depends on, you know, what the value is to the end user. Like, is there, significance in an update that you want to have some fanfare about, you know, maybe get some press. If you're Facebook, you don't care. Yeah. When, when you can have a billion people visit your site in a single day, you know, you don't really care so much about the marketing side. Um, but for a smaller indie company, you might want to make a big fanfare about releases. And if you have releases all the time, you, yeah, it, doesn't have the same impact oh yeah i mean there's no way like my company could get releases out that quickly we just don't have the the manpower to do it but hmm. yeah it's interesting yeah so i i think in the end it really depends on the company and how they market their application what their team is like and you know what kind of updates are they doing like you know, Facebook is constantly fine tuning how they market, how they present content, how they style content. Uh, 
you know, how they track, you know, things like that. I, I'm sure a lot of the updates with Facebook aren't even visible to an end user. It's more supporting that backend engine that, that drives their business. Well, and even if you do see it, there's a good chance that your neighbor isn't seeing it too. Right. When they were first experimenting with moving back to a tab bar, they had several different versions of that out there, all in an A-B testing scenario. And some people had the classic hamburger and other people had some kind of hybrid and other people had a, a full-on tab bar. It was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, and there's been some companies that have tried to produce services to help with feature toggling and uh, dark launching features like that and, and A-B testing. And I don't, it seems like a lot of them get acquired and then shut down. So I'm sure there's still a few out there, but yeah, you know, most I, companies I know have built their own solution. And I think it's hard to find one that is both good on mobile as well as web. There's really no great unified solution out there, at least when I was looking a while back. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the way you segment your audience can vary greatly by the organization. It, it can get complicated fast. Yeah. It definitely impacts testing. Yeah. I think from a testing standpoint, it, it really makes it rough. Well, and there was that one company, the rollout.io that basically Apple rejected because they were doing some kind of crazy stuff where you could, you know, monkey patch your your uh, code with JavaScript server side. That, yeah. was, that was like a month or two ago. Um, yeah. yeah, they were. And that was their business. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> got to watch out for that kind of stuff. But are they I mean, basically dead now because of this or did they? I So I think they, they had they had a bunch of other stuff that was coming out too. So I, they're not dead now. Um, like they have like this feature flag control center and, uh, they have this thing for gradual rollouts with built-in automation. So you can do some of that stuff that we were talking about. Actually I'm looking at their webpage now, but, uh, I remember they were just getting ready to launch this stuff before this whole thing happened on Apple. So I don't know if that, accelerated those plans or or what but uh they're they don't seem to be dead um it's like they have a their awesome core feature that they you know touted before is kind of gone now though so <laughs> that always seems sketchy looking at their blog they've got a, a open letter to apple proposing secure javascript injection approval process so they're they're making a plea uh, for Apple to provide some support, uh, you know, provided that the company follows best practices, whatever those may be. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Th I I think I think what we talked about earlier though is the way to fix the issue. They they basically say if you have a bug fix, it a day is too long to wait for that. So let us monkey patch it with JavaScript. I. That that seems like not the way to go. 
let us roll back. Let us let us do uh, you know a built-in Apple staged rollout. I think that's definitely the the way to fix that that yeah, issue. Might. Yeah, and I I think you know the next progression for Apple is to move from a two day two business days to same day consistently, and I think they can get there. Yeah, I I, I don't think. I don't, I don't know if rollout is just trying to say, "Hey, basically, let us work uh, like we were before." But yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think that makes sense from Apple's standpoint or from anyone really. I think there's other ways to solve to solve this problem. Uh, in my head, secure and injection those those two words just never really go together. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounds like they've got a new product coming out. Uh, that they're going to preview in April, so sometime uh, this month, apparently. So I, I guess watch out for that. It's uh, that's going to be their alternative that uh, doesn't uh, doesn't have issues with Apple's process, and I think it ad- maybe addresses a different problem. But yeah, they they're pivoting from the looks of it. Yeah, I guess you could call it a pivot. <laughs> yeah, well, they're they're pleading and they're pivoting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've kind of talked a little bit. Of, I don't know. What, I don't want to. Think, I think saying trash is a little uh, harsh for the for what we just said. But if if somebody is from Rollout who is listening to this podcast would like to come back and talk about the situation or anything, we will have you on. Yeah, and I'll freely admit I know very little about rollout. I just know they were called out specifically in relation to these changes to the guidelines. So, um, you know, this is us trying to look at some of their statements and understand where they're going with their business. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely would like to hear it from them personally to better understand it. Yeah. Well, speaking of some other things that are look like they'll be rolling out soon. See what I did there? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I saw a tweet today that it looks like there's the a new bug reporter slash radar that's coming out. Someone uh, tweeted some screenshots. Uh, I think what is his name? Looks like his name is uh, Ling Wang. He's a Chinese uh, independent iOS developer living in the U.S. Um, but looks like Apple basically sent him something that said, hey, looks like you use radar a lot. Check out our new radar thing. And he has a screenshot of some of the stuff. So seems like things are, are definitely happening. Uh, and radar may be a thing of the past soon. So lots of good things well, maybe they're getting rid of way. all that. Maybe they're getting rid of all that table-based layout and moving to this cutting-edge thing called Twitter Bootstrap. I <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be nice to be able to if they could say mark a bug is public, so that we wouldn't have to have things like Open Radar to to copy everything out there. Yeah, I don't know how likely that is, but even just making the the user experience of it not horrible would be nice. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I totally understand why the bugs are not public at yeah. least by default. But if there would be some way to say, oh, this is a beta or a bug in the compiler and there's not going to be any way that somebody can securely inject JavaScript into this thing, then we can make this bug public so that we don't have everybody duplicating it all the time. Yeah. So one, one other thing I wanted to briefly talk about is we, it, it, this was announced a couple weeks ago. We haven't really talked about it much, but the new Mac pros looks like are actually coming uh, with, with Apple displays, which is awesome. And just like Alex is going to take credit if they let you roll back stuff since he submitted that bug report a long time ago. I was at the Apple store a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, and after they were done, they asked if there's anything that Apple could do to to uh, improve. And I told them that they needed to release a new Mac Pro. So I'm just going to go ahead and take credit for this. <laughs> the new modular uh, Mac Pro. That's all yep. you have. I just told them they needed updated period. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm, true. I'm still taking credit. <laughs> so my question about this, this uh, NVIDIA card and the drivers and whatnot, really the only way you can use that card right now, right? Is if you have one of the old style Mac pros. Well, or... you could use it with a, yeah, cheese grater MacBook pro. You could use it in a eGPU box, which there's been some, there's some people who are, who've been experimenting with that. But uh, when the new drivers came out, they, they threw a 1080 TI into one of those eGPU boxes. So the uh, Mac, it, the Mac does support eGPU. Cause I, I emailed a customer support of one of those companies that does that, that makes the, the housings. And I really just got a, a blanket response saying, look at our website that tells you what we support. And it's, Mac. it sounds like it's one of those things where it's, uh, there's all kinds of kind of informal standards that not everyone, uh, built their products to match with Thunderbolt three and USB C and all this stuff. Um, so there, I don't think all of them will work. It's not like this standard out of the box thing, but I, I believe there are some that'll, that'll work on Mac OS. And there's definitely at least one company out there that specifically targeted Mac. I, I don't, I haven't spoken to anybody who's tried it, so I have no idea if how well it works, but, um, there, there are vendors out there claiming to support Mac. Okay. So there's a, I don't know. It's I guess it's like a blog or this website that's all about external deep GPUs called eGPU.io that uh, has been messing with this stuff a lot. So they they just released an article uh, talking about that that 1080 Ti on a 2016. 15 inch MacBook Pro. So you might be interested checking that out, Sam. Um, but I guess there's two different eGPUs that they tested it with. Uh, seemed to work pretty good. I mean, those, those eGPUs are like 500 bucks for the enclosure and then you got to pay half much for the graphics card too. So it's not cheap. Right. Right. And, you know, a 1089 
or 1080 uh, Ti Titan. You know, you're looking at a pretty high price tag just for that. And then the housings typically are several hundred dollars as well. So you're easily over a thousand dollars to get better graphics. So, you can so play those games. are, yeah. And yeah, so the, those are. And the kicker is that gaming companies aren't even building for the Mac as much because they don't have the hardware that can run their games. Right. Right. <laughs> so. But, yeah, well, so those are the two official ways that you could use one of these fancy GPUs uh, in Mac OS. But I've got a feeling that the majority of people who are using these are running Hackintosh is like me. I, so I'm excited. I've got a uh, NVIDIA 1080, not a TI, but it's uh, sitting in my media center uh, downstairs that I'm going to swap into my Hackintosh. Um, I just got back from vacation, so I haven't had a chance to yet, but I'm going to swap it out for the 980. Uh, I'm hoping it'll help out the performance on my 5K display. Um, so I'm pumped for this, but yeah, I feel like it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Like NVIDIA is putting this thing out and, and like, yeah, guys, don't worry. You can use this in your official Mac products. We're not. And then he's kind of turning a blind eye to the, the Hackintosh crowd. Well, yeah, cause there's not any current Apple products that ship with an NVIDIA GPU. So it seems like there's something going on there. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Um, but especially for, you know, VR and stuff like that, the NVIDIA GPUs are just way better than all of AMD. So hopefully uh, in, the, in the new Mac Pro, that's something that Apple will take into account. Or maybe even in the, you know, their iMac Pro that's coming out. Yeah, it would be nice to have some more current hardware. Although, I don't know, I still, I like the laptop form factor. Uh, I like yeah. being able to take the, the computer to the couch and, and work on it there or take it to the coffee shop and work there. This is why I've never bought an iMac. Oh, yeah, the really weird thing to me with all this stuff, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but if you remember the Mac versus PC commercials of old, it was always like, oh, yeah, the Windows guy is the uptight, you know, businessy John Hodgman guy. And then the Mac was the cool, you use it for the fun stuff, the artsy stuff, Justin Long, young guy or whatever. But now for me, it's the complete opposite. If I want to, you know, play a game or something like that, I reboot into Windows <laughs> to do that. <laughs> oh, and I'm yeah. doing all of my work stuff uh, on Mac OS. It just, yeah, it's, it's completely different from from how it was back then when I was... Like, oh, I got this cool thing that lets me edit videos and stuff like that. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always been a Windows user that only used Windows for games. And these days with consoles, let's have enough, enough consoles and games on those consoles to take away any spare gaming time that I have, which is not much. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Hey, so Argo, now you were just on vacation and your vacation coincidentally had this uh, big event that happened with it, right? Apple released their Clips app. And did yeah. you 
Did you try it out while you were on vacation? It did come out right before I left. I opened it up. I don't know what it is. I, I think I think I just may not be the target audience for it. I just may be too old. Get uh, off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, get off my lawn, you young kids and your text-to-speech fancy-schmancy stuff. Uh, yeah, I opened it up, downloaded it and stuff, and I played around for a second. And I was like, wow, this seems complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and then continued to relax on my vacation. <laughs> so I don't think any of us here is a, a, a big Snap or Instagram user Anything like that? Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, no, no, not really. Big on the social networks in general, just kind of bare minimum. I thought you couldn't take yourself away from Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I think I log into Facebook like maybe at most once a year. Yeah. And usually not by choice. <laughs> when those websites give you the only the sign in with Facebook button yeah that or testing something for a client with Facebook integration got some test accounts set up for that but so it's yeah try and keep it to a minimum yeah so Argo you found a couple interesting things about clips huh yeah it looks like they're using some private APIs, maybe not just some, but a lot of private APIs. I'm not sure how I feel about that as a developer, if they're releasing an app that you download from the app store. It seems kind of disingenuous to say, oh yeah, no private APIs for you guys, but you don't. we don't have to prompt for camera access, or we don't have to... They, they have like these custom share sheets, and there's this, uh, this... What else do they do? The emojis, right? Oh, yeah, they emojis. have, like, a recently used emoji mist that only shows up in the system keyboard. Seems seems kind of unfair. I don't know. Does it bother you guys? Yes and no. Um, it bothers me in the, in the sense that you have to have access to these private APIs, supposedly, to make a great app. You know, that's what... That's essentially what they're admitting here, that these APIs are essential to their user experience. And for a long time, you know, originally iOS came out as iPhone OS and Apple had access to all the private APIs and, you know, we didn't even get a proper table view. And then at some point they kind of made this decision that they were going to make all their third party apps or first party apps use the same APIs that everybody else had to use so they could build better APIs for us. And to me, this is a step backwards. Now, I don't care that they're using private APIs, although it's a little, a little, uh, I don't know the right, the good word for it, but uh, disingenuous or sly because we can't compete with them on an, on an even footing. Yeah, and I mean, I guess they have the the right to do that. I mean, they built the platform. Sure. I it's, mean, it's their it's their ecosystem. It's their garden. It's their tools. I mean, they're not. They could easily argue we're not. This is an app from Apple, so there's no need to worry about like them doing bad things 
with your camera library or with your microphone or whatever, if you don't grant them access, because Apple knows who it is, they don't have to worry about it. Whereas if it's a third party developer, it's a different deal. And well, Apple, yeah. Apple has granted preferential treatment to other third parties as well. Like you look at the, the accounts framework that came out with, I believe it was iOS six where it had Facebook and Twitter and the, yeah. the Chinese ones, Sino Weibo and, and various ones. And then even recently the, the whole TV app and how it can integrate with other apps and launch them, launch their apps into a TV show. Uh, you know, that's not available to us. Right. I mean, maybe this is a, maybe it's a hint of what we'll get in iOS 11. Some of these features, uh, obviously not the, not having to prompt for camera access that that stuff is not coming to people, but, <laughs> um, I don't think that would be as much of a talking point if it was a stock application. I think the fact that it was like treated as a separate application, yeah, you know, it, it's a bigger deal. You know, we're kind of used to the stock applications having access, but, right. uh, but yeah, yeah. Having it as like a, a new separate app. Yeah, potentially opens them up for people you know, considering it anti-competitive. But yeah, you know, you kind of started with the assumption that it's a great app, great experience. So, I mean, I I don't know. I haven't used it, so I have no idea how it compares to uh, you know so, something like Vine or something that you know I know has been uh, re uh, redefined. So it's not so much the video app anymore, but I think it's more, the, it's definitely the principle of the matter. And and maybe in iOS 11, it, this is going to go the way of the podcast app and, and be part of the stock apps. And then at this point, this conversation doesn't even need to have happened. Yeah. And or yeah. quite possibly the, like what you said before, it could just be a precursor to what we're getting in iOS 11, uh, outside of obviously the permissions. I mean, maybe they have some kind of new extension that's like a photo library extension that lets you do stuff to your videos or something like that. I mean, I could see something like that coming out in iOS 11 that would make sense. Uh, it's I, It seems unlikely that they'd like integrate it to the camera app or anything like that just because there's so much junk in there or stuff. Maybe not junk, but there's so much <laughs> stuff that this app does and so many screens and stuff. It's too hard to integrate into the camera app itself. I don't know. Maybe it's a new extension we're getting. Yeah. Well, I'm certain we'll get the the uh, emoji part because I know that's going to be central to DubDub this year. Is <laughs> yeah, everyone emojis. likes more emojis. That's that's that what gets the sales. user's update. <laughs> it does. <laughs> And messages, messages really last year really uh, inspired a lot of people to upgrade. I haven't really looked recently, but I know for a while some people were kind of speculating that the the message apps were mostly dead. But maybe that's changed. Maybe it's getting better. Well, I think uh, I think that's a 
Yeah, that's that's a separate issue, though. I mean, since so many people use messages, that makes people update their phone OS. That, I think that was that was a big thing that Sam was getting yeah. at, right? Yeah, more about yeah. being able yeah. to draw the pictures and send the different rich media and. You went yeah. in on all these new features that your friends are sending to you. Although I, I can't tell you right. the last time I had someone, you know, shoot fireworks off in my, <laughs> <laughs> on my phone or my watch or whatever. So was, I wonder if uh, how useful all those you, things actually are. <laughs> they just have to you send you a happy birthday message, and then you'll yeah, there's it. certain keywords that will uh, make that happen automatically, like happy birthday, maybe like congratulations. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, it's actually my wife's birthday tomorrow, so I'll have to give her some fireworks in her messages app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> the ability to have third-party apps in iMessage or messages was a good idea. It's just, uh, it, as far as I can tell, it's fallen fairly flat. And, you know, again, it's kind of like, some other predicted to be hot uh, markets were mostly just gimmicky. Yeah, I mean, we but, there's there's some apps that I think it it still makes sense for, and there's some there that are useful that I you know use from time to time. But there was the gold rush, and everyone and their mother tried to create an iMessage app just to yeah you know see what they could do. Yeah, well, which is what you'd expect. I think Starbucks came out recently with probably what would be kind of a, a gold standard for an iMessage app because it really integrates into their core business. You can send a contact, a Starbucks gift card through the iMessages. And yeah. I, I, there's, there's certainly some potentially practical aspects, but I think what we really needed, what we really wanted was more like the chat bot skills type of thing, you know, so you can order your Starbucks in messages. You can, um, or you can, you know, send a Starbucks to, to friend through messages, you know, you can add these capabilities and not necessarily as an app, but as a, as a bot. You can well, actually cool. do that with the Amazon, uh, tin can. We won't say her name, but you the can, lady in a can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell her to get you or order you a, a Starbucks coffee. And it, I, I believe you set up ahead of time, like how long it takes you to get to your, your local Starbucks. And then it puts in the order for that time frame. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was in Starbucks in the morning the other day and realized I'm like, the the one chump that goes in, stands in line and orders. Everybody else just walks in, grabs their coffee and goes. Yeah, but yours is hotter than theirs. So it's good. Yeah, maybe. They say the time it pretty well, but but yeah, it's I I think they made probably thirty cups of coffee before mine for all the to go orders. There are a lot of people <laughs> working, but it's uh I don't know. I thought I think Starbucks definitely figured out some some good solutions, good experiences on mobile to that works well with their business. Oh yeah, but like uh the that magical chat bot experience thing that you're talking about 
Google did that in Allo. You can talk to the Google Assistant or add a Google Assistant to your conversation, and it'll yeah, it has bots like that. But I don't, I'm not really hearing anything about how any of that stuff has taken off either. So part of me feels like maybe that's not, you know, a, a thing that is going to catch on or that's actually going to be yeah. useful to people. Well, the the success story is Slack. Slack and bots as you know, whether it's monetized or not is a different issue. But um, bots have definitely uh, been a major player for Slack. You know, we integrate all sorts of tools into our Slack chats. Yeah, but they're not conversational, right? They're mostly kicking off commands or um, like a kicking what's for lunch kind of bot. Yeah. Well, we've got like a, a bot called How that it'll show us t open tickets. It'll, um, you know, we can do deploys with it. We can ask it all sorts of questions. It, it has a decent number of capabilities. But yeah, I, I think that model in general has a little bit more utility than you know, building a ice cream cone in messages <laughs> or stickers, you know, yeah. stickers are probably cool for some things. And I, I'm sure there's a handful of people that made a killing with very little effort. Um, I know the one guy who had those stickers that looked like messages. Oh yeah. Where you can make it look like somebody said something. Um, I know that guy made a lot of money until he got yanked. Right. For a couple of days. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, I, I think bots are going to bots and emojis. That's what I think Apple will focus on at dub dub. Well, we'll have definitely a, emojis, hopefully bots. We'll have a real, a real, uh, dub dub prediction episode in the next few weeks. Definitely. But I think we ran out of time this week. Uh, we are going to talk about some cool uh, testing stuff, but I think we're going to have to save it until next time. So uh, for now, why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And I am at Sam Corder. I'm at Alex Argo, and you can find the podcast at Shared Inst on Twitter. Uh, join us in our Slack at chat.sharedinstance.com and leave us some reviews on iTunes because we like reviews. And also on Overcast. Like yeah, that too. Recommendations. Sh rec recommend us on Overcast. Yeah. Definitely. Forget that iTunes thing. It's passe. Eh, do both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later. Later. Later.